Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Eric von Schrader's debut novel is grounded in real-life St. Louis. His characters inhabit real houses on real St. Louis streets like Flora Place and Enright Avenue. They work in Crestwood and live in West County and remember the fun they had at Pizza Agogo back when they were young. But then something bizarre happens. They find themselves transported to a different St. Louis, a St. Louis that isn't emptied out or struggling, a St. Louis full of gleaming buildings, international tourists, and glowing bricks. And what's weird is that this St. Louis seems every bit as real as the one they and we live in. It's an interesting uh, concept for a book, and it's called A Universe Less Traveled. And joining us today to talk about it is author Eric von Schrader. So Eric, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me, Sarah. I'm pleased to be here. So, Eric, your protagonist gets his first glimpse at this alternative St. Louis when he's at the corner of Grand and Gravoy. Walk us through this key scene early on in the book. What happens to him? Well, okay, my character, whose name is, uh, main character, is named Billy Bustani, is uh, a guy who has a um, sort of failing electronics business. He sells computers and TVs. It was started by his father, by the same name, who was kind of a local celebrity in St. Louis back in 70s and 80s. And it's 2010, and his business is getting eaten alive by online competition, and he doesn't know what to do. So he's really frustrated one day, and he decides to go down to his old neighborhood in South St. Louis where he lived. And he decides to go, as you mentioned, to get a slice of Pizza Agogo, which was his favorite place there at the grand corner of Grand and Gravois. So he gets there. And Pizza Gogo is turned into a nail salon, so it's not there anymore. And he's looking around at the big building, which many people may know, the Southside National Bank building is about 10 stories tall. And through kind of some strange things happen to him, and all of a sudden he's in a building next to that that doesn't really exist. And it's this very beautiful market with all kinds of strange and exotic people in it and he sort of looks around in there and goes well I've never seen this before and then after a few minutes he leaves and looks back and it's a vacant lot so he's very confused and he finds he spends quite some time in this book trying to get back to this other St. Louis exactly He's, he's sort of obsessed, and see, so he tries a couple times, and nothing happens, and he can't figure out. Maybe it was all a hallucination. He doesn't know. But then he finds that he can actually do it. He can slip across, and he's in a different version of the city, and it's really fascinating. And uh, he starts making it. It's sort of an escape from the troubles of his life. And he starts going over and over again and exploring it further and further. And as he does that, the reader comes along and is sort of discovering this other vision of St. Louis with Billy. So I've got to ask you, um, this idea of it all sort of beginning at this intersection of Grand and Gravoy, it's so specific. It's such a touchstone in this plot. What about that intersection? Did you once have a metaphysical moment there? <laughs> no, I, 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 I wish I had, but no, I didn't. Uh, I've, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of a fascinating place. I love that building, which is sort of unlike any other building within a couple miles around it. You wonder why they built it, but they did. And I've always thought Grand and Gravois was a, a place where it's kind of run down, 
mm-hmm. uh, the whole area and was like, well, what if it wasn't run down? Why is, why is this looks like this should be an important place in the city and it's all kind of decrepit mm-hmm. and low rent. And uh, so that sort of got me going on the fantasy. So I picked that place as the place where his adventure would begin. So this fantasy St. Louis, in the book, your protagonist starts to call it HD St. Louis. It's kind of like the city in high def, but it's so much more than high def. It's so vividly drawn. I'm wondering, did you have a particular modern day city in mind when you dreamed it up that you were picturing in your head? Uh, no, I no, I didn't. I, uh, I mean, it's a little bit of Paris. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of maybe New Orleans. It's a little bit of uh, any other big city you can think of. I, I drew some inspirations from a lot of things, I'd places I'd been and uh, read read about and things I'd, you know, seen on TV and things. I kept thinking but, Vancouver because you know, it just seemed so, oh, that's interesting. so new and, and shiny. And, you know, there's maybe a little bit of the old city left, but it, it felt like this city that it had a massive investment in the last 20, 30 years. It had, well, yes. And even before uh, that. <laughs> Yeah, I've never been to Vancouver, so I couldn't say. Uh, but I want—I felt that I, I, to me, it is a St. Louis that could have existed, in mm-hmm. my opinion. And I wanted to play that out for the reader in the context of kind of an entertaining adventure story. So you have you have some bigger points you're making here, but you also have some fun with some of the little details. And because I don't want to give away too much of your plot, I want your reader to be able to enjoy it unfolding in the same way I did. I want to talk about a couple of the more minor points. One of them is that the men in this alternative HD St. Louis, they all wear shorts. I'm wondering, is this an homage to Bill McClellan? You wanted to give him his dream come true. Absolutely. It is very much something that Bill McClellan wrote about for many years, and I always thought was a lot of fun. So I figured, well, I can put it in my book because it's a fantasy. So yes, men wear business suits with shorts in the summertime. You also That's have the a, fashion. You also have a plot point involving the Sons of Rest, and, and people who go to Tower Grove Park might know that name because there's a pavilion named after it. I can't say right. I've ever given it more thought than to say, who are the Sons of Rest? What, what was your thinking on using this as a plot point? Well, I'm a great lover of Tower Grove Park, and I was familiar with that pavilion, and I was thinking about the part of my story that brings out the Sons of Rest, and I was walking around there, and I saw the pavilion again, hadn't paid attention in a long time, and I loved the name. So I looked it up. You know, uh, Wikipedia is my friend. And uh, I looked it up and read about how it was sort of a working person's sort of association that goes back to the 19th century. Hmm. Uh, and I thought, well, this is perfect. So in my St. Louis, it's still a big, it's a, it's still a very vibrant and big thing. And they put on these wonderful parties uh, in the street. And uh, my, my hero, Billy, uh, gets to go to one and he's kind of amazed. So your hero, Billy, um, as you mentioned, uh, he is the son of Big Bill Bustani. And Big Bill Bustani is a fictional character. You made him up for this book. But you drew on someone who should be very familiar to people who were living in St. Louis, I don't know, 50 years ago. Um, Tell us about the inspiration for Big Bill Bustani. Sure. Big Bill Bustani is a guy who sort of came up from nothing and built his appliance and electronics business on doing 
really wacky goofball commercials on TV, and he became kind of a celebrity in St. Louis. And I was inspired by a real person who did the same thing, who many of the, your listeners probably remember, uh, Steve Miserani. Uh, and I always loved Steve Miserani's uh, commercials. I thought they were hilarious and creative, and I just were a great feel. To me, they were kind of a folk art. Uh, but, uh, so I was inspired by that and, uh, I, it's, that was my idea. And most people who remember Steve Miserini pretty quickly recognize what I was doing with, uh, Big Bill Bustani, who has the nickname in the story, the Duke of Discounts, which is the name of his store. However, he's in my story, he's not a real friendly character. Mm-hmm. And I made that part up completely. I don't know anything about Steve Rainey as a person. I suspect he was a really good guy, but I was inspired by the commercials he made. Hmm. So you also have this idea of glowing bricks being a catalyst of HD yes. St. Louis. What, what's the idea behind these glowing bricks? <laughs> well, one of the things I did was St. Louis is known for its history of bricks, the beautiful brickwork all over the older parts of the city. And I got this fantasy that, well, what if St. Louis, that continued, and St. Louis became the center of brick architecture and brick technology in the whole world. And the biggest company in St. Louis was a brick company, and it was world famous. So I invented all that, and then I... I came up with the idea that well, one of the things they could do with the bricks is they would uh, uh, they would generate electricity from bricks, and I thought that was a totally far-fetched and kind of silly, but fun idea. And then about a month ago, uh, you may have seen this too. There was an article. Uh, press release from Washington University where some researchers at Washington University in real life are doing the exact something very similar. They're storing electricity in bricks. And I about fell off my chair when I read that because I thought I had made up the most sort of far-fetched idea I could think of. And, and Eric, I got to say, I did notice that. And it's funny because I knew the timing of when you were working on this book and, and then when this news came out. And I thought he couldn't have known this. But it seems no. that real-life St. Louis is now imitating <laughs> art. I mean, that's got to well, make it, you feel good. <laughs> yeah, it does. It really does. Yeah. And uh, let me just say for, for your listeners, I have a website called ericvonschroder.com all one word, and maybe you can put it on your site. And I have uh, a tab on there called Inspirations, which has, A, some Steve Miserani commercials people can watch, and, B, I have that article about uh, about the Wash U brick research. That's great. But, yeah, I wrote, I wrote my stuff like two years ago, and I heard about this about a month ago when they announced it. So I guess we can only hope that the rest of St. Louis um, ends up imitating (laughs) uh, HD St. Louis. Oh, Um, that would be great. And as as we're talking here today, we're talking to Eric Von Schrader, and his new book is A Universe Less Traveled. This explores a parallel St. Louis. We do want to mention he has a book reading this Thursday. That's at Left Bank Books. It's all virtual. You can join via their Facebook page. That is happening at 7 p.m. And Eric, more seriously, um, this book seems to be a commentary on that endless St. Louis question of of what might have been, where did things go wrong for us, and what could we have done where we'd end up staying a a world-class city? Um, Do you feel like there's a lot of of seriousness in in the commentary that you're providing here and and your analysis as you create this alternate world? 
well, yes and no. I mean, I had the luxury of creating a fantasy, so I don't have to be practical. And so my and I was doing it in the service of you know trying to make a a really entertaining story out of that. But yes, I'm like everyone else in St. Louis have spent decades wondering how come we're not the the biggest most important city in the Midwest? How come how come it emptied out? How come it you know uh, uh, we've got all these problems and people don't want you know and we're not attracting people. Well, what happened? How? We seemed like that it should have been different. So in my story, I invented a different 20th century for St. Louis that went a totally different direction. And I sort of play out what could have happened uh, if that had gone on. Uh, what's the lesson for St. Louis? Uh, I'm not sure. Could be one of the things that happens in my story is that they find a way to give everybody a stake in the success of the city. Hmm. And every person who lives here is part of and actually can make money from the success of the city. So pe- every, they, they, everybody pulls together. Um, and uh, that was very, I think that's, that's kind of the, the turning point. What I think is interesting there is in my story, that whole trend is started by one of my other main characters, who is, appears in flashbacks back into the 20s and 30s and 40s. He's the architect of all that, but he's actually kind of a, a bit of a scoundrel. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's not doing it out of altruism. He's doing it out of actually his own megalomania and greed. But he turns out to do something that sets the, the city on a very different path. And it's a lot, I think it's a lot of fun in how that all unfolds. So St. Louis didn't necessarily need an altruistic person at the helm. It just needed somebody who could have run with the right idea, even if they were doing it for selfish reasons. Right, right. And he does it in, resp- in response to a horrible catastrophe uh, that's sort of about to destroy the city. And he sort of pulls it out of the fire and gets things set up in a new way. And it works. So, Eric, closer to home, it feels like there's a real wistfulness for St. Louis underlying this novel. And I know that when you started it, you were living here. Then you ended up moving away to a much different place after spending almost your entire life in St. Louis. You moved to California. Do you think it being written from a distance ended up sort of coloring it, that you looked back on St. Louis with with a bit of nostalgia? Uh, Yes and no. I mean, I think I've always, yes, it's certainly looking back on nostalgia. I mean, just I spent a lot, many decades, going just wandering around St. Louis and thinking, "Look at this amazing stuff that was done a hundred years ago or eighty years ago." And it was like, it was a different world. What happened to that world? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I wrote most of the book while I still lived in St. Louis. I wrote, I finished it after I had moved. Uh, but I've always felt the kind of wistfulness for uh, what St. Louis could have been, and just. Wish so. This gave this book gave me an opportunity to sort of turn my wish, my wishes and fantasies into something that hopefully people will enjoy. Now, I don't want to give anything away, but your ending does hint that it's not too late for St. Louis to find a happier ending (laughs) and for this real life version that we're in to kind of pull itself together and achieve all that we could be. Do you really think that's the case, even in the year 2020? Sure. I mean, obviously, 2020 is a pretty rough year. Rough year for Uh, everybody. Yeah. Uh, But yes, things can always be different. Uh, and maybe we'll be different in uh, ways that aren't expected yet. Yeah, I sort of leave that pos- that door open 
at the end of the story. Uh, Do you think the high-tech uh, bricks might be our solution here? I don't know. You know, again, I thought the high-tech bricks were sort of just something humorous and weird, uh, and then it's turning out to be something, but I don't think we know what it would be. Yeah. I don't think we know. Uh, but I think it does involve sort of opening up and being inclusive and dreaming bigger and bringing everybody on board. If there's anything, and making a place where people don't sit inside and watch TV and hide inside their air conditioning, that they're out engaged with each other. That's one of the hallmarks of the, the, the other St. Louis. Out engaged with each other wearing their dress shorts. I love it. Um, yeah. And then, Eric, last question here. Um, I know that you, you say on your website that you're working on another book. Is this a sequel that goes back to HD St. Louis? Yes. Yes, it would be. It would sort of be a yes. It would be a sequel. I, I don't think my characters, Billy Bustani and his family, and some of the other people he's run across, are finished with HD, and I don't think HD is finished with them. Hmm, and it sounds like so, you're not finished with HD. No, I, I feel I've. I've uh, many people who have read it. Not that many people have read it yet. It's only available uh, this week. Mm -hmm. uh, but quite a few have, and you know they keep saying, "Well, have you started the second one yet?" And I went, "Well." Yes, but I've got a long way to go. A so. long way to go. Well, we wish you good <laughs> luck in that journey, and congratulations you. to you. It's a huge deal to to write a novel, and you've got this one there out into the world that's giving us this look at, at what might have been and maybe what still could be. So, yeah. um, Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Sarah. And Eric's book, again, this is called A Universe Less Traveled. Um, you can find a link to, uh, to his website on our website. We'll make sure to get that up. And you can also join Left Bank Books this Thursday. That's at 7 p.m. Um, it's all happening on Left Bank Books' Facebook page. Eric will be doing a reading where he will get even more into the plot of A Universe Less Traveled. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.